cause I ain't graded. Knowing I got my own problem to solve. Wishing I could hit the dog with the blast from a revolve. But like the lie, <laughs> I stand tall. If you swing or if you bust, I'm on guard. I pray up to the stars. Please, Father, forgive us for what we are. been asking about me yeah all three of y'all what's up niggas niggas this your boy this your motherfucking boy king known uncensored we got another one for y'all tonight or tomorrow morning whenever you catch this because i know y'all got time i got time today we're gonna call this episode the changing of the guard the young niggas is taking over the league baby the nba is being overrun by the youngins but we'll get into that momentarily we gonna say that for a while now so after sitting the final minutes of the Nuggets lost I mean yeah the Warriors lost to the Nuggets Warriors Ward Jonathan Kaminga has lost faith in Steve Kerr and no longer believes that Kerr will allow him to reach his full potential sources say and multiple sources did say this, including Shams. So it's got to be some validity and truth to this situation right here. And I knew this to be true for quite a while here because it's like, bro is being underutilized, even in the absence of therefore Draymond Green who has missed multiple games due to a suspension and Kaminga is tired of the disrespect and another player that I felt like was also being disrespected in my personal opinion is Moses Moody who in that particular game did not 
receive the clock that was uh, deserved in my personal opinion. I don't think Moody and Kaminga But so that also begs the question, what would you do? Would you fire Steve Kerr and make a major impact around the trade deadline? What would y'all do? Would y'all get rid of Kerr to appeal to Kaminga and, and Moody? Because y'all think about this shit. You got to take a look back. And ask yourself, the future of the Warriors was supposed to be Jordan Poole, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, and James Wiseman whenever he got healthy again. That was supposed to be the future. They let go of Wiseman first. They traded him. Then, a situation in the locker room well, not, I mean, at practice, I mean, between him and, and Draymond happened and they decided to choose Draymond over the younger Jordan Poole, who was a perfect fit for that Golden State Warriors run and shoot system. And since they settled for Green, Green has been not hasn't even been on the court enough this season. And it shows because a lot of the Warriors games, as much as I want Draymond Green to be gone from the Golden State Warriors, I still see his what his importance means to the Warriors. He does the little things. He sets plays. He sets hard picks, pause. He's their enforcer. He commits a lot of fouls. He gets defensive stops. Because the Warriors, without him on the floor, cannot stop anybody. They can't stop a nosebleed. They can't stop a badass kid from being bad. And these are just factuals. Like me, personally, this is a mess. You got two unhappy young players. And... You know, if they would, you know, Kaminga was balling. I think he had like uh, 16 points that game. He was cooking. And Kerr didn't let him play the entire fourth quarter. And I think that was just completely disrespectful. And didn't play Moody one minute, who's actually had a solid season when he can contribute. And this also speaks a lot to uh, Kerr's inabilities and weaknesses of coaching. The Warriors have been disappointing this season. Like, they've fallen, I think they're 11th in the Western Conference now. Which is not a good look and it's not Warriors-like. 
Like you you watch Stephen Curry have one of the worst games of his career the other day where he only had like three points. I believe it was three points. I have to uh, clarify that, but he was not making a motherfucking thing. The nigga put enough bricks up to build homes and the pro- to build projects. Yeah, the Warriors need to be fixed ASAP. And Mike Dunleavy is on the clock because there are players available that can contribute immediately. And then you have the assets to move for these guys. I mean, Kaminga and Moody have ha- have lost hope in their coach. Maybe you can move those two. A couple of first-round picks for Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, or Pascal Siakam. Those are the three guys that can come in that can average 20 points alongside and give help to a Steph Curry and a Klay Thompson and a Draymond Green because the Warriors organization has only been focused on building around those three. They are not focused on their future. They don't give a fuck about their future. They barely play their future. I mean, he was he started Kaminga that game and then decided to, to shit on him in that fourth quarter, in that Nuggets game. But, yeah, it's a whole mess going on. Because if the Warriors don't turn it around and they miss the playoffs, you know what? It'll be time for Kerr to... If if the Warriors don't make the playoffs this season, it'll be time for Steve Kerr to go. I know he got your franchise four championships and all that, but... Striving for less than the playoffs. I mean, they've been, they haven't won a championship in a couple of years. I get it. And firing him would sound a little bit radical. But it would be to send Dunleavy a message, like, and give him a two to three year window to improve the Warriors and get the Warriors younger. Because, in my opinion, I don't like the idea of them having to trade Moody. Or Kaminga, but if they were to get like an all-star like Levine, like Siakam, like Markin in there, it would have to be worth the risk. And you don't want to keep up keep unhappy players around. And um speaking of possibilities. The Golden State Warriors are aiming to trade Chris Paul before the trade deadline. Damn. That was fast. (laughs) That was fast. They report the news. I give my opinion on it. And my opinion is, what can you get for an elderly Chris Paul? Like, this dude can't seem to stay on the court long enough he's always getting hurt that nigga was born injured like Chris Paul is also out the next four to six weeks with a fractured hand because he missed some time because of a leg injury earlier this season like what can you do he's obviously not a starter anymore in this league 
mean, he does start some games, but I personally, I wouldn't start Chris Paul right now. I wouldn't. He'd come off the bench and he would roll and help that second team get better because he can make players better around him. It's just the health for me. He's never there when you need him to show up when it matters. It's always something with CP3. Always. And I think the Warriors, if they can get something for him, maybe they could get a first-round pick, maybe a couple of young assets or something, or hell, they could use Chris Paul in that trade for one of those three guys as well and throw Paul, Moody, Kaminga into one deal with a pick for one of those three guys that I mentioned. And sticking with Golden State, pause. Draymond Green has been reinstated by the league. So basically, Draymond Green is supposed to return to the court. And he's only really been gone 11 games. My thoughts on this is, I think he should have been gone a little bit longer than that. Because he is a previous offender. And it just seems like this guy constantly gets break after break after break after break. Simply because he's a part of the Warriors dynasty and he has four championships. You see how the league did Tyreek Evans, OJ Mayo. I understand that those are drug related. But still, dog. Like, this dude constantly is in some shit. And you just want to pat his hand with the ruler. Instead of hitting him with a haymaker with his own medicine. And suspending this dude 25 to, to 30 games. You gave him 11 to 15 games. That's not going to work. You know, indefinitely should have meant a little bit longer than that. Indefinitely should have meant a lot longer than that. The Sacramento Kings tried to do a Pascal Siakam trade, but they were not successful. I mean, I bet you, you know, the the, the whole the full details didn't leak out about that. But I bet you it, it was involving Keegan Murray. I bet you the Kings didn't want to give up Keegan Murray in that deal. Because the Kings do have assets, but I don't think they wanted to give him up. And they probably might have wanted Monk too. But that's crazy that the Kings could have had a big three of Fox, Sabonis, and Siakam. That would have been a very interesting trio for the league to see. But the thing is, like, how much of their role players would they have traded? Because I know I would have got Herder, who's been inconsistent this year. Harrison Barnes, who's also been inconsistent. The fuck up out of here. 
know what I'm saying? So the way that I look at it is, um, yeah, I don't think the Kings was going to get Siakam in my opinion. But what the what could the package have been though? Barnes, Herder, and Lyles maybe, or Bur- Barnes, Herder, and McGee. Yeah, Pascal Siakam is a hot trade target. Have y'all seen how good R.J. Barrett has been playing since he's been on the Raptors, y'all? Let's look at R.J. Barrett's last few games as a Raptor. Like, he's had 19, 14, 14, and 37. He had 37 points against the Warriors. 37 points, y'all, against Golden State. That just goes back to me saying that um, the Warriors can't stop nobody. And that's what happens to a lot of those older teams with older players. They're not going to be able to keep up with the younger, more spry players. They just can't do it. R.J. Barrett just smoked them. Oh, man. Kay Cunningham got injured again the other night. And the update says the update says that Pistons believe that Kay Cunningham has avoided any serious injury to his left knee. That's according to James L. Edwards III. And it's a sigh of relief for Detroit fans. Cunningham may miss the next few games. Ah oh, man. More Draymond Green news. So Draymond Green was having a conversation with the commissioner the other night. And You know what the commissioner says? Like, you know, you know what Draymond Green told the commissioner Adam Silver? He was contemplating retirement. And I was just like, what? Because he just felt like he couldn't be himself. And the commissioner, I don't know what he told him, convinced him to not retire. Even though I think that's the best decision for him. You know, his version of how he plays basketball has been played out for quite a while, in my personal opinion. And I don't think he fits the current NBA, as far as I'm concerned. They've dumbed down the league. They've made it soft. Pause. But I just feel like I think he should have retired, in my opinion, because he's past his prime. And he has nothing more to prove and or to contribute to basketball. I mean, he's a four-time champion. A lot of people are saying that he's a Hall of Famer, which I think he's not. But... You know, him being a part of that Warriors team and him being LeBron's buddy is going to help him get that Hall of Fame, in my opinion. But Draymond said that I told him, Adam, this is too much for me. It's all becoming too much for me and I'm going to retire. 
Adam said you're making a very rash decision and I won't let you do that. Aww, that's so sweet. Alright, whatever. Moving on. Pelicans have swept the Sacramento Kings as they beat them by 30 plus the other night. By 30 piece. You know what I'm saying? You got to really think about this, man. The Pelicans got the Kings number and they beat them without Zion. Can you imagine if Zion played in that game? Shit, it probably would have been 45 points. Because Zion was going to get at least 15 points. And that's period point blank. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, De'Aaron Fox only had three points. Yo, the st- we're going to get to the Stars struggle night. Sunday was a struggle night for Stars, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, the Los Angeles Lakers beat the Los Angeles Clippers last night. You know, the Clippers have owned the Lakers for years. Like, the, at least the last... Uh, four seasons I believe it was like the Clippers was whooping their ass and sweeping them I think they swept them three straight years 2021, 2022, and 2023 they swept them in the regular season the last time that they won a game was when Bron and AD won a championship That was the last time. But now, you know, LeBron had a great game uh, last night against them. He was balling. One thing that shocked me was LeBron was low-key locking up Kawhi Leonard. And I was shocked. Kawhi Leonard was not himself last night. As he put on a mid-ass performance. Shockingly uncharacteristic of Kawhi to let you know, um, LeBron, who you have had the edge on the last few seasons, make Kawhi look human. then on top of that you know what I'm saying D'Angelo Russell was also balling in that game and when D'Angelo Russell decided to celebrate with the team as the Lakers went on a run to protect the lead from the Clippers as the team was celebrating with Russell LeBron James seemed to be off to the side not celebrating not interacting which confirmed their possible tension with each other. Which is crazy to me because, you know, they have a background of being cool. And that's just wild unacceptable, you know what I'm saying? It seemed like he was done with D'Lo. Despite the Lakers winning that game, they had been struggling. They have been on the struggle bus. 
the last few games. And also, a lot of the players, agents, are calling the team talking about that their clients were not happy with their roles. I wonder who that is. It's giving Rich Paul because a lot of the players on that team are represented by Clutch Sports. Of course. And Rich Paul is trying to get a couple of his clients to join the Lakers in DeJounte Murray and Zach Levine. And I think D'Lo and them, they know what's up. It's definitely a divide within that team. Because, you know, D'Lo's name's been mentioned in trade talks. Rui Hashimura's been mentioned in trade talks. Austin Reeves' name has been mentioned in trade talks. And, you know, they call LeBron the GM. So that gives me another question. Do y'all think that Darvin Ham is going to last until the All-Star break? I say no, especially if the Lakers remain under 500. Because they're currently occupying a playing spot right now. I think they're 10th in the West right now. Do you think that Darvin Ham is going to last? Until February, I say no, because, you know, you have to have a scapegoat. And the fucked up part about all this. Oh, man. Bad news just came through my phone. So I heard that Tyrese Halliburton was playing against the Boston Celtics, and he slipped, seems to grab his hamstring, and was also carried off with a towel over his head in considering in considerable pain. This is according to Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Hopefully, uh, prayers up to Tyrese Halliburton. You know, I just got this going through my phone or whatever. So, hopefully, he either comes back in the game or recovers from this injury soon. Sunday night was a rough night for all for most of the stars in the NBA. It was. Let's look at Sunday. I mean, the rookie, the rookie of the year uh, candidate in Victor Wimbenyama did all right, but a lot of the bigger names were struggling the other day. going to start with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox only had three points 
the entire game and shot one of 10 from the field. So that's crazy right there. Like that's pretty bad for somebody of Fox's caliber to struggle that badly. That was wild. Seems like Trey Young and Paulo Banchero didn't have any problems. There was some other notable shit that was going on yesterday that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, Nikola Jokic only had four points the other night. He shot two or three from the field, but I think he was ejected, though. You know, and there was this meme that was happening that was going on that said, um, you know, (laughs) it said that everybody in Vegas was struggling last night because a lot of the stars laid an egg. They laid an egg last night. And then we got the infamous Steph Curry game where, oh, okay, he only, he had nine points. Let me correct myself. He had nine points on two of 14 shooting. Moses Moody actually played uh, yesterday. He had 21 points. You see what I was talking about? 21 minutes, 21 points. Steve Kerr, get your shit together. Yeah, that's unacceptable, bro. Like, Steve Kerr really has to get it together here. Yeah, because, and then we had Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard only had 15 points on 6-17 shooting. And then I kind of question Ty Lue's decision-making. I do. Because during the last couple of minutes of the game, right... They decided to bench Kawhi Leonard in favor of Terrence Mann, which on paper looks ridiculous. And it looks like a misstep from somebody who has championship experience in coaching, who has been to multiple NBA finals, multiple All right, let's talk about teams that are thriving and teams that are in trouble. Let's look at the whole... Well, I'm not going to... Am I going to look at the whole NBA? I might not look at the whole NBA. I might look at certain teams that I got my eye on. Let's just do that. 
So that's going to take up a whole fucking show. But teams that are thriving, we're going to start off with Boston. Boston is definitely thriving. They're doing their thing. They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference. But as I say, time and time again, right? As long as Porzingis is healthy and out there with the Celtics, I don't think anybody can beat them in a seven-game series except the Denver Nuggets. That's probably the only other team that could beat them. The Milwaukee Bucks are thriving for sure. Nothing more to explain, even though Damian Lillard has been on what we call a shooting slump. But Damian Lillard has to realize something. You're not the number one option anymore. You're just not. You're the number two option that has decided to come to a team that's already won a championship and there's no excuses for Dame anymore. If he loses, then he's just not that dude. Because now you have a team that has championship potential. Yeah, they're thriving, but barely. Another team that's thriving. Um, I could say, I mean, the Sixers are definitely thriving. Even though they've been 500 the last few games. Another team that's thriving right now is the New York Knicks. New York Knicks, bro. With the addition of OG and Anobi, they've won four straight. The Ananobi trade did help the Knicks. And they could maybe make it back to the second round of the playoffs. Because before then, I questioned whether... Um, this team would be a playoff contender. I did question that. But they needed to do a little bit of moving and shaking. And once they did that, you know what I'm saying? It seemed like this team was going to be okay. And they've won 6 out of 10. Now, another team that's thriving that's a little bit under the radar is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've won 7 out of their last 10 games. Cleveland has always had potential, but when it came down to crunch time, nobody would really step up. You know, despite having a good roster of two, maybe all-stars, and Garland and Mitchell, and a potential all-star in, uh, in Evan Mobley, a pretty good shot blocker, and uh, Jarrett Allen, a great sixth man, and um and Karis LeVert. You would think that Cleveland would take that next step further towards championship contention. But they've always been a middle of the pack team for a reason, especially how they got embarrassed last year in the playoffs. Indiana is has also been thriving because they have won their last seven out of the, out of their last ten games. After they slumped, after they uh, lost that in season tournament game, but you know we've heard about the injury to um, 
Tyrese Halliburton tonight. So we'll see how serious that injury really is. And hopefully it's not. So, who is in trouble? Um, I'd say if I had a choice of who to say was in trouble, maybe the Miami Heat. Because they're good and all, don't get me wrong. And they've won, you know, they've won the Eastern Conference as the eighth seed before. But I don't see them beating Boston this year. Like they did Milwaukee in the first round last year. I don't see them having the same success. I just don't. But yeah, Miami may be in trouble, especially with Jimmy Butler in and out of the lineup. And with everybody in the East low-key passing them up, Miami technically has a worse team than they did last year. You know, they have some of the same players. You know, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler... Kevin Love, they're all a year older. They're all a year older. And the subject of this show is called Changing of the Guard for a reason. Reason being is just the fact that the vets aren't always having veteran players during the regular season means absolutely nothing because there's a league full of young guys that are willing and waiting to kill you every night. Another team that I view as in trouble is the Atlanta Hawks. They've lost six out of their last 10. And despite having two guys that are all-star caliber players that put up great stats, they're not winning games. And I don't understand. I think Atlanta has one of the best benches in the league. And I don't know what happened to their defense. Because you got a shot blocker and a rebounder in Clint Capella. You've got a a dope wing defender in Sadiq Bey. And a dope wing defender in um, DeAndre Hunter. I wonder what happened to those guys. Like, why is Atlanta not winning games? Because when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals back in the day, yeah, I know, it's, I know it was 2021. I'm saying 2021 is back in the day. Because that's how long it's been. You would have thought adding a piece like Murray could help this team possibly get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. 
But, you know, you got to factor in the East has gotten better from top to bottom. All the Eastern Conference teams have gotten better while they have gotten worse despite them making good acquisitions like a Sadiq Bay, Getting rid of John Collins' contract to free up some cap space so that they could sign that core in Atlanta. I mean, you got young players in Onyeko Kungwu and Jalen Johnson. And then I got another report, another update on Tyrese Halliburton. It says right here that he suffered a left hamstring injury in today's game against the Celtics. Oh boy, that's not good. Hopefully he's not out for long, but here's the problem. The, the fucked up part about all this is the Pacers were on a streak. And it says that Halliburton will not return to tonight's game. Damn. So that's not a good sign because at this time last year, Halliburton suffered an injury and the Pacers went on a downward spiral on a losing streak. So hopefully, you know, the likes of Andrew Nimhard and TJ McConnell can hold his spot down and hopefully they don't fall too far out the Eastern Conference playoff race. Because hopefully Halliburton returns in time. Because right now, you know, they're five games ahead of the last play-in spot. The good news is you have Brooklyn, who's ninth and on and have lost seven out of their last ten. The only thing they got to worry about really is the Bulls if they decide to fall on that loser streak because Miami Heat are definitely going to take advantage of this and maybe the Chicago Bulls. But the but back to Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks are in trouble. And as I've said on previous shows, I feel like they either have to get rid of Trey Young or DeJounte Murray or both. Because this shit's not working out. I have a feeling, though, that they're probably going to keep Trey Young. But y'all know where I said that they should trade Trey Young. They should trade Trey Young to the San Antonio Spurs in a three-team deal because the Spurs have nothing to offer Atlanta. So they're going to have to get a third team involved to get Atlanta a decent player in return. And I think that person could be Levine. Hmm, y'all thinking about it? Because the Spurs definitely got the picks to help um, Chicago and Atlanta. But that's going to have to be a three-team deal, in my opinion. haven't even looked at the West. This is how interesting this subject matter is because all the other teams like Brooklyn, Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, and Detroit, we know they go into the lottery. I don't think Toronto's ready yet, but maybe with the addition of Quickly and Barrett, 
they maybe could make a run for that 10th spot. Somebody who's thriving right now. I mean, I finally, I, the, you know, finally the Timberwolves are getting humbled. Finally. They're good. Don't get me wrong. They are thriving because nobody, and I mean nobody, expected Minnesota to be the number one team in the West. But I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be over soon. It's going to be over. The run is going to be over soon. Now, I still think Minnesota will finish top five in the Western Conference. But however, in the playoffs, they're going to get exposed eventually for their lacking of bench scoring. Now, they're doing good right now. But when they have to go through the actual playoffs, we'll see what they're made of because this is a show-improved year for the Timberwolves. Now, I'm going to mark them as thriving because of their position currently. But however, I'm not impressed. Impressed me by winning a playoff series with this group of players. They have Anthony Edwards, who's an all-star. They have Carl Anthony Towns, who's also an all-star, in my opinion, especially this year. He's been playing good. They have Nas Reed, who was a six-man-of-the-year contender. They have Mike Conley, who has been an unsung hero of this team. They got J.M. McDaniels, who's a, who's the defensive guy who guards everybody and can score a little bit, too. I mean, on paper, this team should win at least a playoff series, but I don't see them going past the second round. But I'll give Minnesota thriving. Denver, the defending champs, you know they thriving. They Gucci. Like, Denver just has the perfect team. I don't really see anybody challenging them. For real, for real. I don't see anybody challenging them. For the Western Conference, maybe, except the Clippers. I think that's probably the only threat to Denver right now. Other than that, as far as the East is concerned, I could see maybe Boston being a threat. But those are the only two teams that could really mess with these guys. Like, Denver's not only thriving, but I've been saying this since the beginning of the season that these dudes got a chance to repeat, in my opinion. But yeah, Denver's definitely thriving like a motherfucker. OKC, definitely thriving. They're not a surprise to me. I'm not surprised about how good they're doing because you added, you know, a rookie who technically was hurt his entire original rookie year. It's kind of like a red shirt freshman. And he already knows the team. He knows the scheme. He just had to get out there. And Chet Holmgren has potential all-star capabilities. 
He does. And then you add that to uh, SGA and R. Kelly Giddy. You know what I'm saying? This is my song for real, no doubt. Josh Giddy still making you feel thugged out, head ass boy. But anyway, you got those three. Then you got the defensive Lou Dort, who on certain nights can hit, he can shoot it from anywhere on certain nights, not all nights. Then you got Jalen Williams, who's been balling this season. Who's also a threat. Then you got a solid bench over there in OKC. And then not to mention, yeah, the boy SGA. Who has the potential to be first team all NBA and first team all defense. And then... Mark Danigo is a pretty good coach. You also have to factor that in as well. That Danigo is nice. Coaching that young group of players. So they thriving for sure. You know, I kept telling y'all, Minnesota's not going to have a number one seed at the end of the year. It's going to be Denver. Denver going to be number one. And the next team... That I feel is thriving is the Clippers. Despite them losing to the Lakers in a shocking game, I'm not gonna say that the Lakers have the Clippers number yet. I feel like there's two other games to be played to decide that. If the Lakers go up 3-0 in the season, then I'll I'll say the Lakers got their number. The Clippers. They're thriving. I mean, they got four guys that can be all-stars. Yes, Russ could be an all-star if he was a starter on another team. But Russ decided to sacrifice his role. Harden, PG, and and Kawhi Leonard are all-stars. Harden has gotten himself back into shape and is playing like himself but the third option is the perfect spot for him it's no pressure and I don't think that there's any excuses for the Clippers to not win a championship or at least come to within a game 7 of Denver for the conference finals if they don't make the conference finals or the finals they fail And that's just a fact. Who is in between thriving and in trouble is the Sacramento Kings. The Kings are just like any young group of teams that's on the come up. They have high highs and low lows and no mids. The Kings remind me of the Magic. They're a young, thriving team. But I can't really say whether they're thriving or in trouble yet because the Kings were pretty much in the same position last year. On paper, the Kings have a good team. But there is inconsistency in their role players, such as Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, 
Trey Lyles, like I mentioned early. Malik Monk's been up and down. I've seen Malik Monk look spectacular, and then I've seen him look mid. JaVale McGee, I feel like he deserves a few more minutes per game. That's just me. Although they are giving him clock. A person that I feel like deserves more clock is Davion Mitchell. I haven't seen much of him this season. I think Mitchell can make a huge impact on the defensive end because he could defend a lot of uh, current guards, which can help the Aaron Fox navigate how he would like to, even though Fox can play defense. Fox plays defense better than a lot of guards in this league, but he's not known for his defense. If you catch my drift. Another team that I feel like, I say thriving-ish, is Dallas. Dallas has Luka and Kyrie. My only issue is, can Kyrie stay healthy? Without Kyrie, Dallas can make it through a round and maybe through a second round, depending on opponent. But they won't contend for no championship. You need Kyrie Irving and and a healthy Kyrie Irving to pull this off because now the Mavericks are starting to get chemistry with Luka and Kyrie based on their last performance because they both had over 30 points in their last game together. And then they also have the right role players this time around that fit better for kids' system. I mean, you drafted Derek Lively, which was the perfect pick for them because they definitely needed a lob threat in Dallas or somebody that can at least get you five, six fouls that can stop somebody. I mean, you got Seth Curry. You got Tim Hardaway Jr. You got um, Grant Williams, which was a... Ace in the hole pickup and an excellent pickup by Dallas's GM. They got the core to go on a deep playoff run, but the question is, will they? But I'm going to say that they are thriving with Kyrie Irving. The New Orleans Pelicans, I look at them like I look at Sacramento. Some days this team looks like a playoff contender and that they could probably win a round of the playoffs. And other nights, they look like they're going to get eliminated in the first round. Because that's due to the inconsistent play of Zion Williamson. And Ingram sometimes is inconsistent as well. I mean, they're both good. They're both all-star caliber players. I mean, they step up against the uh, high-caliber teams, but sometimes they beat teams, they only beat teams that they're supposed to beat and not the teams that they aren't supposed to beat. Like, I'm shocked that they swept the Kings this year. But then again, they're two teams that mirror each other. Like, in that tournament against the Lakers, they kind of folded up. 
So maybe they learned from that game and started playing better basketball. But shout out to Willie Green, though. Detroit's own. Houston Rockets, you can't say that they're in trouble. I say that they're thriving because they're way better than last year. I think they were the second worst team or the worst team in the West. Well, the second worst team in the West because San Antonio was. But the addition of Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks was money well spent. A lot of people felt like they spent too much money on them. I was one of those people. But sometimes you got to spend your money on what you need. I think the Rockets are thriving. They have a new coach in M.A. Udoka who is, who is excellent, who has never missed the playoffs, according to him. Bro, you only had one year. But then again, his whole career, he's never really missed the playoffs as an assistant coach. As a player, as a role player, he's never missed the playoffs. And they currently have the eighth spot right now. I mean, you got young standout talent in Jalen Green, Alperin Shingoon, Amin Thompson, Tari Eason, you know, Cam Whitmore. Surrounded by great veteran players such as Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green. I'm not going to say that Jock Landale's a vet, but compared to the players that I mentioned, yeah, I say Jock Landale got to be with the young cats. Because Landale's probably what, in his, he only wasn't his fifth season. So I can't really say he a vet like Van Vliet and Brooks, who have both played for uh, championship caliber teams. Oh, yeah. You've got that great combination of players on tap. And I forgot about Jabari Smith. He's young and up and coming. He's a baby Durant, you know, as far as the skill set is concerned. But he a better rebounder than Durant for sure. Phoenix Suns, despite them being 19 and 17, I'm still going to say they're in trouble. Phoenix is in trouble because they're underachieving. They're injury prone. You don't know what group of players is going out what which night. The big three rarely play together because, yes, on paper, they are a big three when healthy. Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker are all all-stars. But during... You know, my off-season review, I said if these three are healthy, they could win the West. But the problem is, the, the key term is if healthy. And they have all not been healthy. Kevin Durant has played three quarters of the season, but currently he's in and out the lineup as it stands. Devin Booker has missed a couple of games. Bradley Beal has not played most of this season. They have a lot of issues. Issue number one is health, of course. Issue number two is them not utilizing their role players to their full potential. Eric Gordon was complaining 
uh, early part of the season about lack of touches and lack of minutes. And with Beal back in the lineup, it could get worse. And Gordon could grow tired and could ask for a trade. I think he should go back to the Clippers, in my opinion. That was my thoughts. He was a great fit over there. And he got the proper amount of minutes and touches over there. And they definitely could use him. I mean, Grayson Allen is utilized to an extent. Josh Okogie, he fell off. He was much better last year. And he played much better with Chris Paul than he does with Durant and all of them. And then Bo Bo, you know, when Bo Bo starts getting clock, he's very productive. You know, they'll play Bo Bo and then they'll play Bo Bo. They'll play him like a sucker. They'll play him. They're doing Bo Bo like Golden State's doing Moody and Kaminga. They'll play his ass to the left. Pause that. But it's facts, though. I say Phoenix is in trouble. But here's a question. Should Phoenix trade Bradley Beal? I don't know, man, because... Every day, this nigga Bill get an injury. I would say yes. Because I wouldn't want to deal with a $250 million contract. That's the only reason why. Because that's too much money. To deal with a guy that's not going to be out there. I would try to move Bill for more role players to go around uh, KD and Booker. I would trade Bill for all defensive players. I would call up Philly. If I were the GM of the Phoenix Suns, I'm calling up the Philadelphia 76ers. And what I'm going to uh, ask for is, um, hey, yo, can we get, we'll trade you Bradley Beal. We'll give you Bradley Beal to go alongside Maxi. And in B, we want Nicholas Batum, we want Robert Covington, we want Marcus Morris. Those are the three guys that I would want. And then we'll throw you a first-round pick. But then again, I don't know. Does Phoenix have any more first-round picks? So I'm not sure. Because they've made a lot of trades since that Bradley Beal trade. I don't know. I think they got multiple second-round picks, if I'm not mistaken. Let me clarify that. Hold on, y'all. This only gonna take a second. Because them being at the eighth spot in the West right now is not it. Let's look at their picks. Yeah, they only got second round picks. So either A, they would have to add a third team or just give up the remainder of their second round picks in order to trade Bradley Beal to the 76ers. I think that would be a very good deal for both teams, in my opinion. Because Phoenix needs guys that get timely defensive stops. That's what they don't have. Grayson Allen can't check nobody. 
Bradley Beal cannot check nobody. Devin Booker cannot check nobody. Kevin Durant cannot check nobody. Josh Okogie's defense has fell off this year. Eric Gordon cannot check nobody. Joseph Nurkic cannot check nobody. Bobo can block a shot, but Bobo cannot check nobody. Phoenix be trying to outscore teams. And that's why they're losing games as well. And Frank Vogel being a defensive coach and not, in, uh, you know, Enfor- not enforcing defensive, um, you know, not enforcing his defensive habits on his team is going to eventually cause them to get upset in the playoffs, depending on who they play. Because Phoenix got lucky last year that Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Because let me tell you something, the Phoenix Suns was going to get beaten in that first round by the L.A. Clippers if they would have had Kawhi and P.G., Easily. Because Russell Westbrook was looking like an all-star in that series. Like, they would have gave them issues with a completely healthy team. So, the Nuggets are in... I mean, the Suns... Not the Nuggets, but the Suns are in trouble. As far as I'm concerned, though, the only defensive adjustment that they need to make now is playing... A zone playing multiple zones, multiple defenses to disguise what they're exactly doing. Because that one on one shit, Devin Booker be getting killed one on one. Kevin Durant be getting killed one on one. Bradley Beal be getting killed one on one. Joseph Nurkic be getting killed one on one. Like I told you, trade Bradley Beal for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and Nicholas Batum, and this team will turn it around and be a top five seed in the Western Conference. Los Angeles Lakers, despite their victory against the Clippers, they haven't beaten anybody else that was really worthy like that and they have lost seven out of their last 10 games and a lot of fingers are being pointed amongst each other as far as the coaching staff the gms everybody's then turned on each other and everybody's agents are calling the team about darvin ham's usage and i think that this team will be without darvin ham by the all-star break now wouldn't be surprised if milwaukee Added him back to their coaching staff. I could see a scenario like that happening for him. And LeBron James always does this with these coaches. You know, he'll link with a coach that's kind of like, eh. That he can manipulate and control. You know, a lot of people might not like this, but I keep trying to tell y'all, LeBron James needs to be traded. A lot of Lakers fans are demanding that he be traded. I think with a LeBron trade, you could get a lot of assets back for him. You can get guys that are happy to play amongst each other because LeBron 
is creating most of this tension in the locker room and is cancerous. And it's just the facts. But anyway, the Golden State Warriors are definitely in, in trouble. As I've stated earlier, Mike Dunleavy, it's on you. Golden State Warriors definitely are in trouble. You've got your young players mad. You got Draymond Green returning back to the team. That should help them win a couple of games. But you got to decide. Do you want to get rid of the youngins or do you want to get rid of Steve Kerr? Those are the questions that this front office needs answered. Steve Kerr does not have the answers anymore. Clay Thompson's been inconsistent all year. Some days he's looked like the Clay Thompson of old, and other days he looks like old ass Clay Thompson. The Warriors are in trouble. Big trouble. And you can tell that these niggas miss Mike Brown. I'm not going to hold you. I think the real missing truth to their defense, because Golden State Warriors, nobody on that team can stop anybody. Steph Curry can't stop nobody. Klay Thompson cannot stop nobody. Moses Moody cannot stop nobody. Jonathan Kaminga cannot stop nobody. Kavon Looney for damn sure ain't stopping shit. Brandon Podzimski is not stopping nobody. Corey Joseph is not stopping nobody. Draymond Green can make a defensive stop on a couple of people. But if he got to check an all-star, he can't stop no all-star. He could only foul them or kick them in the fucking face or try to injure them. That's about all he about good for now. Clay, Draymond, and Steph. I mean, Steph is still in his prime despite that bad shooting night. The other night. But they need a guy that can average 20 points per game over there. That's still in their youth. They let one walk in Jordan Poole, but there's some out there. But Golden State is in trouble, trouble. Um, Utah, I, I don't know. They're borderline thriving borderline thriving because they've won their last seven out of ten and they're creeping up the board which is another reason why phoenix the lakers and golden state are trouble because utah is becoming that team that i said that they were going to be they are legit becoming what i said they were going to be I feel like they had to get their camaraderie back because 
They have been injured. But I told y'all about the Jazz. I had thought I messed up on my analysis. Utah had me looking crazy in the early part of the season. And that's going to pose a problem to the next team that I'm, I'm talking about, which is the Memphis Grizzlies. And then, you know, before we get to Memphis, you know, um, I don't know, man, with, with Utah's resurgence, does that take Lori Marketing off the trading block? Or could they make a deal where the loss of marketing would not hurt? Only time will tell. Now, the only reason that I say Memphis is thriving because they got John Morant back. And when John Morant's in the game, it makes Jackson and Bain look like all-stars. I mean, Bain could really be like a, a, a last-minute all-star reserve because dude got paid and dude is earning his paycheck because he's an offensive player that plays defense. He's a two-way player. One of the top 50 players in the game. And Jackson, he's an improved scorer and last year's defensive player of the year. He can make defensive stops. And then the, with the addition of Marcus Smart, I mean, the, the Grizzlies have won their last six out of ten with Ja there. Yes, they are four games behind. Well, actually, no. They are four and a half games behind the Los Angeles Lakers for the last playing spot. Honestly, being the John Morant fan that I am, I truly think that Memphis is going to be that team that gets that 10th spot. Now, however, the question is, who is who is it going to be in the West? Let's talk about that. Because I see a six-team race for those final three spots in the play-in. Now, I truly believe that um, Minnesota, Denver, OKC, Los Angeles Clippers are not going to be in the play-in. The Mavericks, I don't know. I don't know. They might be. Sacramento Kings, I don't know. New Orleans, maybe. Houston, I don't know. I just see them... I don't know. They could get that sixth spot. I don't know. I think that's a little bit too much pressure to put on them. Phoenix. I don't know why I'm about to say this. I might sound crazy. But I believe in Phoenix more to get that sixth playoff spot than even a Dallas Mavericks. I just feel like Hopefully they stay healthy. I think that's where Phoenix is going to land. I think they're going to get that sixth spot. I think they're going to have a winning streak that closes out the season type of thing go on. 
and that's going to garner them that sixth spot. Los Angeles Lakers, I think there'll be a play-in team. I think they can get that seventh or eighth spot. Long as LeBron and AD don't get hurt, I think they'll get that, um, you know, because a lot of people that are saying the Lakers are not going to make the playoffs. I think they will. I don't think uh, Adam Silver is going to let that team not make the playoffs, not let the Lakers and LeBron make it. I don't see that happening. I also think that the Lakers are going to make a big trade as well to get either DeJounte Murray on the team or somebody else. They definitely got the assets to to get it done. I see something like last year happening, but I think the Lakers are going to lose the first round to whoever they play. Or maybe even the play-in game. Utah Jazz. Ah, That's going to be tough for them to get that spot to me. Pause. Like, that's going to be difficult. Because you got a question, are they going to keep marketing? If they keep marketing, they have a chance. But I don't know. Something tells me that they're going to be 10th or 11th. Memphis Grizzlies. Oof. Memphis Grizzlies, I truly believe that they could get that 10th spot. But they they can't go on a losing streak because if they're due, they're doomed. And they're going to probably miss the playoffs. Golden State? Mm. I don't know, guys. I mean, Charles Barkley might be right. They might be cooked, if you think about it. Because you got to think about it from this perspective. I think New Orleans is too far ahead for Golden State to catch up to. I truly think that Golden State's going to be a play-in team if they even make the play-in. Because I don't know, guys. It's going to be tough to survive. I think Houston, with Udoka's coaching... I trust that more than Steve Kerr's coaching. So I see Houston locking up their spot. Phoenix is definitely going to make it. I think Phoenix is definitely going to make it. I think the Lakers are probably going to make it, which leaves out. Mm, I don't know, guys. It's going to be hella difficult to determine that. That 10th spot. Yeah, I don't know. If I were to make a choice between the Lakers, the Warriors, the Jazz, and Memphis for that 10th spot, I'm going to go out on a limb and pick Memphis. Despite me thinking about what Adam, uh, you know, like Adam Silver, you know, not gonna let his baby boy, his face of the league, miss the playoffs. They might screw Memphis out of that 10th spot. But if they let Memphis and L.A. play and not try to cheat for L.A., I'm picking Memphis for 10. Last but totally not least, 
We have come to the main event. Y'all been patiently waiting, just like an AIDS test. What's the result? Not positive. Who the best pot? Not a big. Ain't no best. East, west, north, south. Lost out, gritty. I embrace y'all with napalm. Left, left, chase, face on. How can Nas be garbage? Send me autos at your cottage. Burner at the side of your dome. Come by to my throne. I got this. Locked since 9-1. I am the truest. Name a rapper that I ain't influenced. From Hawaiian Sophie Payne put my name in this music. I know I skipped bars, but fuck y'all. We had to get into this last and final segment, which is the changing of the guard. If you look at the current state of the NBA standings, you see all of the young players are thriving. If you look at Boston, who has Tatum and Brown, who are still relatively young, and can contend for years to come. Perzingis is still relatively young. Derek White is still relatively young. Then you got Dame, who is, you know, I'm not going to say he's young. I'll say he a vet. Giannis is a vet, but you can tell Giannis got some youth in him. I think Milwaukee's probably one of the top Milwaukee's one of the top veteran teams that's still left out here because they got their share of vets in Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, um, Bobby Portis, Pat Connington. This team has been together for a cool almost decade, right? So I can say that Milwaukee's a veteran team. Philadelphia 76ers are still relatively young. Joel Embiid's not 30 yet. Am I correct? Let me see. Let me check his, Let me check Joel Embiid's age. Because I know a lot of y'all going to try to correct me and shit. Oh, he's 29. Damn, he about to turn 30 next year. He about to turn 30 in March. So, my bad. Still. He's still in. Joel Embiid's in his prime. Tyrese Maxey, that's the youth right there. And they got the veteran role players coming off the bench. So I say Philly got a mix. Tobias is a vet. Eh, okay. Orlando. That's a team that's young. They got some vets over there. I mean, not some vets, but they got some young ballers over there. I mean, you got Plalo. Got Paulo and Watner over there balling. You can see the youth movement over there on the magic taking over the league. The New York Knicks, I mean, I don't know. Randall, Randall's pushing 30. He's knocking on the door of 30 if he's not 30 already. Brunson is still relatively young. OG Ananobi, I think he's 25. And they got those young up-and-coming role players in Miles McBride. You know what I'm saying? Like, that team is still relatively young.
going on here. In uh, Cleveland, I don't know. I, I consider Cleveland a young team. They're a young team for sure. Mitchell probably the oldest player on that team, low-key. I ain't going to hold you. Garland's young. Jared Allen's still kind of young. Karis LeVert's still kind of young. Mobley's young. That's definitely a, a team of young, in the words of Floyd Mayweather. They some young champions. They some young champions. Indiana was up and coming. Even though tonight's injury to Halliburton is scary. And we are not going to get into box scores tonight. We'll get into box scores from a different night. Because this show is about to change another guard. The Miami Heat. You know, but here's the thing though. Here's the thing in the East right now. The separation between the four seed and the five seed is separated by 0.5. No, no, the separation between the four seed and the eight seed is by 0.5 games. So Orlando's the four seed and Miami's the eight seed. And they are all separated. Orlando, New York, Cleveland, Indiana, and Miami are separated currently by 0.5 games. But Miami, I understand they've been going through injuries, so I get why they're eighth. And they're in a tie for the seventh seed. But Indiana, I mean, but I mean not Indiana, but Miami has mostly old veterans on that team. Like Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, Jimmy Butler. They're all old. Now, Bam and Tyler are still relatively young. Tyler Hero's having an all-star caliber season. Everybody else... We don't need to talk about. We just talking about teams that are contenders right now. Because we know Charlotte, Washington, Detroit, Atlanta, Toronto, Brooklyn, and, and Chicago. They're not going to contend for a championship. But the contenders like Boston, Orlando, New York, Cleveland... And maybe Philly, even though I think Milwaukee and Philly have bets. A majority of the teams that occupy the first seven seeds, I should say, are relatively young teams such as Boston, Orlando, New York, Cleveland, Indiana. Let's look at the Western Conference. Minnesota, I could say, I don't know. I think they have a nice mixture. But their star is a young player. Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think he's 30 yet. Jaden McDaniels is not 25 yet. If not 25 years old. Conley's a vet. Kyle Anderson's a vet. 
But youth, Anthony Edwards' youth carries this team. Denver Nuggets, um, Jamal Murray is still young. Joker is a bit older, but that team's been together for quite a while. And I say, um, Peyton Watson's definitely young. Christian Braun is young. Uh, Zeke Najee's young. Julian Strother's young. I mean, Aaron Gordon maybe 30-ish, but he still play like he young. Contavious Caldwell Pope is a vet. And then, of course, they got veterans in Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan. So Denver, I say, is a mix. OKC is third. They're led by a young star and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The LA Clippers are a veteran team. Definitely a veteran team. And probably... Yeah, so I, I guess we we two or four. Sacramento is a young team. DeMontis Sabonis, I don't think he's 30. De'Aaron Fox is not 30. Malik Bunk's not 30. If not 30 years old. Barnes is a vet. Kevin Herter's still young. Keegan Murray's young. Davion Mitchell's young. This is a young team. Learning how to be playoff contenders. Dallas. Luka's a young guy. Kyrie's the vet. Tim Hardaway's the vet. Grant Williams. I don't know. He's still relatively young. Seth Curry is a vet. They have young players in Jaden Harvey. No, Jaden Hardy and Derek Lively. Those are the young guns on that team. Dallas is still like a young team, and Luka's still a young star. New Orleans Pelicans. Ingram Young, Zion Young, Trey Murphy Young, CJ Veteran, Jonas, definitely a veteran now. Houston Rockets, as I said earlier, mixture of youngins and veterans, but still relatively young as in learning how to win. But look at the bottom. You got a team with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley, yeah, Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. And Joseph Nurkic. Grayson Allen's not young. I'm starting to see gray hair out that white boy already. Eric Gordon's not young. Bobo Young. But this is a veteran team that's struggling right now. Los Angeles Lakers have Braun and AD who are veterans. They have a they have young role players and Reeves. Russell is pushing 30. Rui Hashimura is young. Jared Vanderbilt's young to an extent. Um, you got old man game. <laughs> Christian Wood is pushing 30. 
So the Lakers have a mix, but their best two players are veterans. And look, they're 10th right now. Golden State, who has won four championships and has been the dynasty of this era, are 17 and 19 right now. Memphis is a young team, but they only struggle because Ja missed the first 25 games. If Ja doesn't miss 25 games, this Grizzlies team is a top five team in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, everybody else, we're not going to even get into. What my message, what my final thought is, my Jerry Springer final thought is, God bless Jerry Springer. It's a changing of the guard. These young players such as Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo's been running this shit. Tyrese Maxey. Um, Paulo Banchero. Franz Watner. Jalen Brunson. Darius Garland. You know what I'm saying? Tyrese Halliburton. Anthony Edwards. Um, Jamal Murray. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Chet Holmgren. Jalen Williams, even. The Aaron Fox. Luka Doncic. Zion. If focused. Brandon Ingram, Jalen Green even, maybe. These guys are next up, Ja Morant. And even the likes of Victor Wimbenyama, who's on a, a shitty team like San Antonio, who does not give him the ball. Which is why I think the San Antonio Spurs in the offseason have to get a true point guard. And, I, and that's why I think he, that they should go after Trey Young. Somebody that will actually get the big fella involved. I think once Victor gets him a true point guard alongside him and a bunch of players that are willing to sacrifice their games, like I would keep Basel. Sohan doesn't give him the ball. Even though from a technical standpoint, they're running him at point guard. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of players. I mean, it's a lot of guys that fuck with the NBA that would keep Sohan, but I'd let him go. He's not giving Victor the ball. And then all the rest of them can kick rocks, too. But I'd definitely keep Basel. And that's probably it, low-key. I ain't gonna lie. I hate to be that guy. San Antonio got to have niggas giving them the ball. But my main point and my final thought is this is a changing of the guard. Guys like LeBron, Kevin Durant are starting to be a thing of the past. Jimmy Butler, you know what I'm saying? Who else is a thing of the past? 
I mean, Devin Booker is a part of that class with John Morant in them. But Devin Booker shouldn't be like, I mean, I think, I don't know, there's something missing about Devin Booker. Because Booker has the talent of a Shea Gilgis Alexander and a John Morant. But I don't know, guys. Like, in situations where you need Booker to close out games and to prove that he's the man, he kind of defers to a KD or a Beal. That's probably why they went and got him. Because when Chris Paul was on that team, Devin Booker was a top 10 player in the league. Now, I kind of question that. But guys like Braun, KD, Steph Curry even, no disrespect. I love Steph Curry. But it's a changing of the guard. And these young these young players will kill these old ass niggas right now. Look at how Golden State, how badly Golden State is playing right now. Look at how bad Phoenix is playing. Look at how bad the Lakers are playing. And look at how solid. I mean, the Clippers are probably the only group of veterans that play like they got some sense in that West. And of course, Denver with their mixture. But Denver even has young players on that team keeping guys like Jokic around, like Murray around a little bit longer than they should. And you got up and coming teams like Sacramento. I mean, look at a Jimmy Butler in the East. Look at DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. That group of players are playing out. Like Trey Young is considered a veteran at this point. And but despite his great stats, which a lot of these older guys have, they can't seem to win. And it's because of the youth movement. That's why you got a team like Orlando thriving right now, a team like Indiana thriving right now. I mean, you know, a lot of these players that we've watched the last seven or eight years that have been dominating this league, they're starting to become a thing of the past because it's simply a changing of the guard. All right, y'all, that is my show for tonight. I want to thank y'all for listening to this uh, long episode. I appreciate y'all for coming through and fucking with it. It's your boy, this your motherfucking boy, Keno, uncensored, changing, changing of the guard, and I'm out.